Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Now, you might have heard of Lucid Motors, one of a handful of bright new American EV startups producing, let's face it, fantastic electric cars. However, starting a company, building a loyal following and scaling everything up is not an easy job. Apparently, it's quite expensive. So we got wondering, how is Lucid doing? Like, really, is it flying or financially flopping? And who better to grill on just that than CEO and CTO, he's a busy man, Peter Rawlinson, ex-Lotus, ex-Jaguar, ex-Tesla engineer, who's now running the show at Lucid. We posted Ollie Q to California to get the inside story, and you can read the full feature in the magazine now. Watch a walk around of Lucid's new Gravity SUV and a full review of the new Air Sapphire on TG's YouTube channel. But for now, make yourself a cup of tea and listen to Ollie's fascinating interview. Here we go. Right, Peter, thank you very much for your time and welcoming us into the inner sanctum of, um, of Lucid. We've got our very first good cup of tea for a week in the United States, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, yeah, just have a little cup of tea and a chat. I wanted to start with kind of your career, because I find it fascinating. You, correct me if I'm wrong, you studied mechanical engineering at Imperial College London, and then you were the chief engineer at Jaguar, at Lotus, and then I, 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 at Tesla. I was, I was principal engineer at Jaguar, responsible for advanced body shell body structures and I became chief engineer of advanced engineering at, uh, at uh, Lotus. Yeah. So having studied engineering a bit at the yeah. sharp end of automotive yeah. engineering, yeah. now you're a CEO, are you as hands-on with it? And if not, do you miss being kind of an engineer foremost rather than a businessman? Well, um, at Lucid, we're, we're an engineering-led company from the top down. Mm-hmm. We all have this, uh, we're unified with this passion for creating great product, great cars. And I share that very much with our associates on the production line. I'm first and foremost an engineer. You can't take the engineer out of me. And I, I'm still pretty hands-on, but of course there's a certain bandwidth to my job that uh, demands uh, the, uh, a lot of attention to non-engineering issues today. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I heard only to just confirm or deny an anecdote before we get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, you were at Tesla, you were at developing the Model S and yeah. so on. Yeah. And then a company called Ativa, which is developing batteries, gets in touch and offers you a role or however that process may have gone. Is it true that you said you were interested but only if the company changed its name to something that sounded less like probiotic yogurt? It's, yeah, I'm afraid it's true. That is true. Well, it's, I, I had actually left Tesla before I had the approach from, from Ativa. Mm. But, you know, I said, you know, if you want me to join, uh, there are sort of famously two constraints. If we're going to do an electric car, I want to do the best electric car in the world. And I've got a number of ideas to, to advance the electric car. And we do have to change the name because it does sound pro- probiotic. So that's how Ativa batteries became Lucid Motors. Well, it, we didn't know we were going to be Lucid then. We didn't, we didn't have a name for it. Yeah. We were thinking things like Cal Car, California Car, or oh, lots of crazy names. And, and then we had a competition internally and no one came up with a good name. They're all rubbish. <laughs> so then we got, we got, we found all companies that specialize in naming companies. Right. And they, they were all rubbish as well. So we, we fired them and found another 
another naming company and one of the, the craziest suggestions was Lucid. And I thought, hmm, that sounds the least like a car company than anything I've ever heard. Mm. And, and it stuck. And you work out that it doesn't mean anything offensive in a foreign language and it, it set all these, no one's ever totally, trademarked totally, it totally. and you're away. And it's memorable. It's a proper English word. And I was advised that there are more companies in the US than there are words in the English language. So you'll never find a, a, an actual word. It would have to be some sort of some confection. Some portmanteau of other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and also it means transparent. And uh, I, I like that. Hmm. That's an interesting origin story. Yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying about you wanted to create the best electric car in the world. Yeah. You were at Tesla. You were the chief engineer for the Model S. I what was. was it about that car and the way it was developed that frustrated or dissatisfied you? Well, I mean, it was a wonderful opportunity for me in fulfillment of uh, a lot of um, uh, my ambitions that I was allowed to really uh, be a, a driving force in the creation of what, what was the landmark electric car of the century, really. Mm. But it did have a number of constraints, uh, one of which was is, uh, very interesting. It was actually styled. The stylistic design took place uh, before I arrived at Tesla. Franz von Holzhausen designed the, the, the shape of the Model S mm. a few months before I arrived. Uh, I arrived in January 09, and the shape had been conceived late 08. And that was pretty much cast in stone. So it was an interesting intellectual puzzle, really, to fit all the technology into that predetermined exterior shape. So that's a packaging nightmare. It's a packaging, it's a packaging nightmare and an opportunity. It's a fascinating puzzle, but it's not the right way to do an electric car. Because that shape had been conceived around preconceived notions of what a car should be. And a lot of that is about a long hood for a V8 or a V10 and a, a, wind a windscreen, I, I, I should say, I've become American windshield, <laughs> uh, further back and about these proportions of a car. Mm. And uh, that meant that the interior space uh, inside Model S was compromised for, a, and it, for the position of an engine which didn't exist, uh, again, uh, a petrol engine that didn't mm. exist. So we had to move the, the, the driver position relatively far back for safety reasons and for ingress, egress, getting in and out of the car, which compromised the rear seat package. And it was clear to me that if we truly designed a car stylistically and technically in a combined effort, then we could solve for a pure electric solution. And that's when I, 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 I reached out to Derek Jenkins, convinced Derek to join the company mm. as head of design. And we really cre created a new methodology where engineering and design would work together in a creative engineering, uh, a creative engine room, I should say, in the design studio, where we looked at the people package, the occupant package of the car, and we had a new approach to the whole engineering of electric car miniaturized the powertrain. It was already small, mm. smaller than a gasoline equivalent. So people thought, that's great, that's, that's an advantage. But no one had said, let's see how far we can push the envelope. Yeah. Can we make the powertrain even smaller, stop the batteries around the occupants, design the car from the inside out? And the result with Lucid Air is that on the outside, it's shorter than a Model S, it's narrower and it's lower, but it's got Long wheelbase S-class interior dimensions. Yeah, it's enormous inside. Yeah, I've been out in it the last couple of days, and it's it's a very useful shoot car actually for us because it's just 
yeah, there's an enormous amount of space on board. That kind of brings me on to something I was going to ask you about. Second anecdote I'd like you to confirm or deny. There's a catchphrase that's kind of attributed to you by people who've worked with you, past <laughs> and present. Do you know what this is? I was going to say every millimetre counts. Every millimetre counts. <laughs> yes. Is there, I mean, whether it's Lucid or something else, in your engineering career, can oh. you give me like one example of a piece of bloody-mindedness, a piece of perfectionism, where every millimetre counts is sort of manifested? Oh, goodness, there's too many. There's too many. I mean, first of all, I, I, you know, I've got many engineers. First, the car is, a, is not designed by any one person. I'm kind of like the conductor of an orchestra, and it's, you know, kudos to all uh, the hundreds of, of great minds that have created the car, mm. both in Model S and, 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 and with Lucid. But fundamentally, uh, they have to follow every they, millimetre counts as yeah, well. They have to take that, that mindset. I think, uh, if you look at the frunk on, on, on Lucid Air, Mm. Uh, we've got over 10 cubic feet. It's, you know, three or four su times the size of, of the nearest competitor. It's not like 30% more. It's, it's a multiple of. Mm. Um, we've got undercuts, the shapes inside the car that we're using. And we've actually had to, that determined the molding technology of the front. We actually have to compress it to squeeze it into shape. And it pops out into the shape that it yeah, acquires. Shown that earlier, and and yeah. that is that mindset. We're going to use every last millimeter here to extract the maximum performance, and that applies not just to millimeters. It applies to counts of drag. We've got CD of point one nine seven. It's it's the most aerodynamic car production car in the world, mm. the best of my knowledge. Let me give you another example. Uh, the battery pack is actually curved underneath. Yeah, this is fascinating. It's a you wing start car. the diffuser under the B pillar, the B -pillar actually, yes, yeah. yes. And 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 the last few millimeters underneath the battery pack, it's one of my patents actually. It's a crumple zone underneath the car, so we have a um, a ballistic shield under the pack, but then we have a gap between that ballistic shield and the bottom of the cells, so that if the shield is damaged or intruded at all, there's a little bit of free crush space to, for the energy to be absorbed. Mm. But statistically, that's highly unlikely to happen in probably towards the rear of the pack, unless you reverse the high speed into something. So we eat some of that space, that free crush space, away with the curve of the pack. So it's that free crush space that we eat into with the curvature of the pack. So all the cells are on the same plane. Yeah. See, this That's is just this last. And it's that, that, that joined up thinking between safety, aerodynamics, and people package. Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating. I, it sort of makes me wonder when I've interviewed people like yourself, I've interviewed Gordon Murray, Christian von Koenigsegg, people who are very engineering led. Car yeah, bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sort of wonder how frustrating is everyday life? Because surely if you go to use a coffee machine or an elevator or something that hasn't been designed <laughs> to these principles, it must be enormously frustrating. Do you get really angry with, I don't know, a supermarket checkout or something for just <laughs> no, being I, inefficient? Yeah. Well, I don't think you pay that much attention. No, <laughs> Um, I've heard you speak very um, about saying you'll only be satisfied, you know, if, if you can achieve satisfaction and you're always driving for the next thing, but you'll only be satisfied when Lucid is making a million cars a year. Yeah. You've cited yeah. 2030 yeah. as a target to do yeah. that by. Yeah. Um, but so far, you know, the production numbers have only been revised, well, rather that the sales have been revised downward. It's, it's taken, I know you've been, had an obstacle with COVID and so on, but it, it, they aren't getting to the numbers you want. At the price point you're at, and you are currently a luxury mm. brand, mm. is a million by 2030 realistic? Do you think that's becoming more of a 
a dream if you'll well, forgive the slight no, losing no, pun not at all because if you look we sold six thousand cars last year which is not good enough but we we you know i mean if you look at the the numbers in the us we outsold audi e-tron bmw i7 we weren't far behind um eqs and and porsche Taycan. so mm. these are storied brands we're a completely new entry into the marketplace many people in that market sector haven't even heard of Lucid, let alone the, how, just how amazing our car is. So, and we've, we've faced incredible challenges uh, with high interest rates and the impact of macroeconomics. Mm. Um, when I talk about a million cars a year, I'm deadly serious, um, but not at the price point we're currently at. We're currently competing with Porsche and Mercedes. Uh, we, we have our Lucid Air range now complete from a pure at $74,900 with the, 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 the air incentive, up to $249,000 with Sapphire. Mm. We've got Gravity coming later this year, and that will be available from under $80,000 in its, its most elemental form, ultimately. Mm. Um, but, of course, that won't... Uh, secure those volumes. So we're working on a mid-sized platform right now in this very building. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going through its gestation period, through its advanced engineering period. In just a few years' time, we'll have that in production. That will be truly a Tesla Model Y, Model 3 competitor. Mm -hmm. And why not? We'll have a superior product for a world market. Mm -hmm. And at that sort of price point, then we should think in terms of those volumes yeah. very seriously. And I, I, I know it seems incredible. We just sold over 6,000 cars uh, in 23. That was up about 37, 38% on the previous year. Mm. Uh, we need to do better on sales and brand recognition. And gravity is going to have a huge impact for us because particularly in the US, it's becoming an SUV market. Yeah. And the gravity is just... I'm glad you're having a chance to experience and review it today. But I think it's going to be a seminal product, a landmark. Mm. Um, it's going to have the performance attributes of so many disparate products uh, and unmatched efficiency, interior space and practicality, all fused into a beautiful form. Another phrase I've kind of heard you use before is um, we have to push forward electric mobility because, quote, the planet can't wait. So there, there is an ecological totally. side to this. Totally. I know you have the, the, the smaller this car coming, the more yeah. mainstream yeah. car. Yeah. And, and yeah. In, yeah. you think the rival to that, that's so a Model 3 in the UK at the moment, is about £40,000. In yes. order to hit this planet can't wait, really trying to make motoring as green as possible, do you then are you then looking to go even below that? Are you looking for an even more sort of mainstream everyman product, or that, do you that, will you kind of bottom out? That's a fascinating prop, uh, uh, question. Actually, I'm glad you asked me because if if you look at the most profitable traditional car company, it's Porsche, and they mm. tend to operate between fifty thousand dollars and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That sort of bandwidth, mm. and I think that's a nice place to be and to model ourselves. Really, what I seek is to create a multiplier effect through. Uh, making the technology that we've got, the world-class technology, EV technology, powertrain technology, available to other car companies. And we've started that already. Mm -hmm. This isn't just talk. 
we've secured last year, we announced a deal to supply our Sapphire technology to Aston Martin. Martin. That's a 10-year yeah. contract. And it secures an electric future for Aston Martin with the very best technology in the world. They were super selective. I mean, they wanted the very best and they found it with us. And so that's a great example. Now, Sapphire technology suits an Aston Martin. Uh, we've got, you know, our grand touring technology, our touring technology that would suit a different class of car. And then we've got a mid-sized platform coming in just a few years time that would suit a family car. That could be licensed or uh, pr um, uh, produced for other car manufacturers who otherwise would perhaps miss the boat with his transition to electrification. Right. And that technology also, let's not forget, that doesn't just suit a low loose, it's committed to pure battery electric, which I think is the right solution. But our drivetrain technology would suit um, a hydrogen fuel cell or a, a petrol gasoline hybrid as well. Yeah, so you have that. We're not going to do that. But, but yeah, but potentially Lucid yeah, could yeah, offer yeah, that in yeah. someone else's. Lucid is 60% owned, financed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. That's right, yes. With such enormous financial resource underneath you like that, is there a ticking clock to reach profitability or is it a case of you know against you is there any kind of time pressure or is there a sense of you have this massive wealth fund behind you so ultimately it will take as long as it takes um what i would say is this what differentiates us as a company is i really believe we've got the most advanced ev technology in the world mm -hmm. and we've got incredible backing from the public investment fund they have been just the most ideal firm, loyal supporters of this company through thick and thin. However, I feel huge personal pressure to turn this business around, to, 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 to be, for it to become a, a profitable entity and put the, the foundations in place to become just that. Mm. But I don't think we should look short term for this. We're looking, this is a long term play. And if you look at our finances to date, they're dominated by our long term investments. We just put 3 million extra square feet into Arizona. We're vertically integrating our stamping plants. Yeah. We're building out the most advanced electric vehicle power plant in the world. In the, the first purpose built electric vehicle factory in North America. We've also got our factory up and running in Saudi Arabia, our, 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 our semi-knockdown or SKD facility, and now we're planning a much bigger plant with a capacity, a built-out capacity of 150,000 units a year. So we've got the first car plant operating today in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And this is a partnership which goes right to the core of Saudi's vision for 2030 to transition away from a fossil fuel dominated and dependent economy. There's a certain irony there, isn't it? Uh, there isn't there? Is. An oil, an oil, the quintessential oil led economy now Absolutely. investing massively Absolutely. in EVs. But I find that hugely refreshing. And, and that's it's... how aligned we are uh, in terms of our vision and mission. And that just then, that therefore transcends a mere financial investment. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to try to put words in your mouth, but I think, uh, speaking to some of your team, they've been frustrated by certain pieces and things that have been said in the media about Lucid is losing X per car because they've divided, you know, the, the, the loss balance sheet by the number of cars sold, where in fact, I think you'd prefer to say what, that 
because you're building factories, you're scaling up production, that totally, it's, totally, it's it, once totally. you wind all that in, of course, totally. there's going to be a cash burn. And, and there's a massive investment taking place, not just in our long-term R&D, for the most next level of advanced powertrain for our mid-sized platform, but also the tooling investment in getting gravity into production. Yeah. We are, you know, we're in the year where gravity is going to be produced, late 24. The, the, the cash burn right now in getting that into production, that's a cash burn investment in our future. Let's not forget that. So, yes, yeah, you'd argue it's not a loss, it's an investment. I, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, um, again, going back to your career history, you know, you've worked with some great British marks, Jaguar, mm -hmm. Lotus, yes. both of whom are in the midst of relaunching as electric-only brands, and Indeed. particularly Jaguar. It's going to be fascinating to see how they kind of revive themselves. Do you Absolutely. think that, in personally, are the legacy brands always going to struggle as opposed to a clean sheet with, without the kind of styling, historical baggage and the enthusiasm for those cars? Um, and... And conversely, like, do you fear them? Because should a legacy brand catch up with you or even use your technology yeah. to get on parity, they then do have this heritage and this legacy that you don't have from a startup. Yeah, yeah. So, so remember that uh, when I was at Tesla, nobody believed that Model S was real and was going to happen. And very few believed that Tesla had the experience to do an electric car. But I had the best engineering team in the world. I know, I recruited them. Um, yeah. And the same here. How, how is it that Lucid Air has got more range, more efficient, it's more aerodynamic, it's got more interior space, it's got even the largest trunk, it's the fastest charging car, it's the highest voltage. Why is it better just about every criterion, 0 to 60, 0 to 100, just performance, range, efficiency, charging speed, everything. You've got the top trumps. It's just, it's the top dog. Yeah. And everybody recognizes that, even handling and performance. Now, why is that a company, a Tiva, Lucid, that's got no experience and no her heritage? It's because of the prowess of the engineering team. And the engineering team defines how good you are as an engineering company. It's the, it's the collective brain power of the people that defines the capability of any company. So another company might be 100 years old, but it's how good are their engineering team. Mm. But there's another factor here. I don't believe I would have been able to do this, at, say, at Jaguar, because I don't think anyone would have empowered me in my role and my capacity to have the, 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 the influence on the product. And the same was true at Tesla. The influence that I was given uh, to engineer Model S and be able to look at all those interactions, I don't think I would have been given that and granted that in a traditional car company. Mm -hmm. Now, if a traditional car company, uh, a traditional OE, empowered uh, someone with a suitable expertise and empowered them to that degree, then absolutely they can compete. But I don't think that those companies are structured to enable that. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, I think a lot of the legacy car companies, they don't, the thing that te what made Tesla sort of rocket to the, into becoming a household name was it just felt like they were mavericks. It felt like they were, they were doing things that a traditional sort of rather stuffy OEM That's true. wouldn't have, That's and whether it was the gimmicks in the touchscreen or just the performance, mm. it just seemed to take risks. Totally. Perhaps. Um, so the flip side of that is the incoming like Chinese 
EVs that are coming in all shapes, sizes, yeah. budgets. Yeah. Do you think they will, are they oh. actually the threat? Is it not the legacy well, ones? Is it, the, is it the newcomers who are backed by the Chinese government? I tell you, um, if you'd asked me this three years ago, I'd have given you a completely different answer. I'd have said, look, there's a lot of Chinese car companies. None of them are very good. And it's all changed. That's interesting. They're, some of them are frighteningly good. I, I, I test drive a lot of vehicles, and yeah. even sort of Chinese imports. Um, a lot of those are not available here in the US with the, the import situation, mm. but they're making headway in Europe. Um, yeah, we're I seeing think, a lot on the road in London. I think some of the Chinese entrants are getting shockingly good. But I still think that we are many years... If you look at our technology, uh, we're still many years ahead of everyone else. And I can say that objectively, it's not just a, a subjective, um, that's my head talking at my heart. Yeah. Um, but this is about how quick, how fast we can continue running. Uh, we mustn't stay still, no one's staying still, because this is about a technology race. And we need to keep advancing. And we've got some really key advances coming. I'm very excited about the technologies that are coming that we'll be able to put into our uh, gravity. That's what we're going to get uh, for, uh, you know, 440 miles plus of range. And, 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 and you know, uh, you may be aware of this, that the, the way the, the Environmental Protection Agency has been testing for range, uh, the tests have recently become much more stringent. Mm. And so most other car companies' range numbers have dropped. Uh, when we gave the 427 miles for SAFA, for example, that was tested to the new, more stringent regulations uh, for Pure and Touring as well. And we're going to release our numbers for Grand Touring very soon with the new test procedures. And what you'll find is that the gap, the vision is the gap between Lucid and the competition in terms of range through efficiency, not range through sheer number of batteries, because anyone can do that. Mm. The how many miles per kilowatt hour, that gap is going to grow. And we are determined to grow that gap and build upon our technical prowess. Mm. With that momentum, with that, the advantage you say you, know, you have in the technology, is it your ambition that Lucid will one day be the most valuable car company in the world? It's my ambition that we have a really meaningful impact upon the environment in future generations. And that would be, you can't put a price to that. I, I don't know about dollar price, but I, I, I think that why I'm here, so I, I feel passionately about the environment. I feel that we can have a, a significant contribution in the field of electromobility in terms of sustainable mobility. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we are doing is we created a new agenda, that is the value of efficiency, going further with less batteries, with less energy that's been generated, mm. and having less impact upon the environment that way. And, through, and that's true sustainability in my mind. If you look, a couple of years ago, we were talking about miles per kilowatt hour. No one was talking about it. And now it is a hot topic. But if you look at uh, who's best at that, we're getting 4.74 miles per kilowatt hour 
with pure rear-wheel drive, no one else is even close. Yeah, in Europe it's much more people are happy with kind of, not people are happy, but three miles per kilowatt hour seems to be the kind of the hump and, and at which it's and, either good or bad. And, and I've heard you talk about five miles per kilowatt hour needs to be where you're striving for. Well, we're striving for five, but remember the EPA regulations are much more stringent than the WLTP, which is the European yeah. test procedure. Uh, I think that we can get very close to five with a car like Lucidet. That would be the vision. Yeah. And I think the vision is we could get towards six miles per kilowatt hour. So um, uh, for, for, for a smaller family car. Hmm. Uh, beyond that, it's become super challenging. But even that, at that point, you're getting massive, you know, usable range from like a 50 kilowatt hour battery. Totally, totally. You yeah. get, you'd get 300 miles, miles range yeah. with a 50 kilowatt hour with six miles per kilowatt Which is, hour. Exactly. kind of seems to be the sweet spot where, yeah. you know, three to 400 miles. Yeah. Um, we were talking earlier just before we started recording about you know you working 100 hour weeks and being just incredibly driven given your kind of career history and what you're doing now are you a lucid lifer or are you always going to be hungry for the next startup the next project the oh, next I, I, I'm, I'm wedded to sure. lucid this is my this is the combination of everything i've worked for uh, this is where you build your legacy totally i mean i've been here for 11 years now i joined a company which was just a mom and pop shop that uh, supposedly had some technology, and when I joined, I realised there wasn't any, hmm. and uh, personally helped secure the the Series C funding, which, and then and then brought many of my engineers I knew uh, into this company, and and grew it from there. And there was yeah. just a handful of people, and uh, you know had a vision for the next generation car, which has been realised with Lucid Air, and a vision for creating this next level of technology. You know, if you wind back six years, seven years ago, no one was thought that we could really advance the electric motor. We made a big commitment here to re-engineer and reconceive what an electric motor could be from scratch. I had some brilliant engineers, and I owe it all to them. I mean, it's not, I'm not a, a motor specialist. But I realized that we should take a serious relook at the electric motor. And so we got a brilliant team of engineers together, begged them to join from a transmission standpoint and motor, put them all together. And I said, I want a single rotational system. I don't want a, a motor and a gearbox. I want a, mm. a motor transmission as a single unit. And, you know, gave them super compute capabilities. And I said, look, I want to see literally electrons flowing around atoms and molecules. I want to see exactly a breakdown to the finest detail yeah. of the electromagnetism that's happening there and the thermal regime. And the team literally reinvented the electric motor. And that's at the core of our breakthrough in efficiency. No one was thinking that way. On a molecular level. <laughs> uh, no. And, and we, we make that all in-house. Uh, we built uh, our, our, our capability in Arizona. Mm. We've got unique manufacturing technologies. We make all our electric motors, our inverters, uh, transmission system, build that into a drive unit. And that is really at the core of the secret behind uh, our range and efficiency. And also the software that controls that is absolutely key. Yeah. I mean, to end, I'm just going to slightly try to tear you away from work. I've been fascinated meeting to all your team, talking to your team yeah. and hearing about their hobby cars, yeah. their things that have inspired them, what they've got in the garage, yeah. the Sunday car. Yeah. What's yours? 
Well, I, I, I <laughs> my normal hobbies when I'm back in the UK is making things, woodwork, metalwork. Are you a farmer as well? Uh, but yeah, a bit of hobby farming. Yeah. What's, I, in, the, what's in the harvest? No, no. There's, there's just uh, my 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 pastures are growing to forests at the moment because I'm, I'm, I've had re- the other rewilding. side. Rewilding. <laughs> yes, rewilding. Um, in my my twenties, I built my own house, and um, in, in my thirties, I built my own car. And what was that, that like? Uh, well, a lot of fun, a lot of hard work, and um, a lot of learning. My passion is just designing and making things, and that's why I'm in engineering. And this is the fulfilment of all that, mm. uh, the Lucid product. So would we find you on a Sunday kind of like in a workshop then, doing some woodwork? You or? would, but you're more likely me answering emails these days. <laughs> and you do, just to go back to the, the, the car thing on a Sunday, you don't have a, a hobby car in the garage, or if you wanted to go take a road trip, what would it be? Aside, of course, from a Lucid. I still have my 1967 Lotus Elan back home. Oh, that's lovely. Lightweight. That's where it all began. Yeah. 67 Elan. I had that when I was 21. Oh, what a great thing to have. Yeah. To have all these. Same one you've had all these years. Yes, well, since I was 21, I had. If it's owned by you, I imagine it's yes. very, probably the best mechanical condition Elan no, in the world. No, it's completely <laughs> rebuilt. I had no, it's like the builder's house. Oh, right. It's the car engineer's car. It's the trigger's broom. That's an analogy anyone out there on the internet will get. Oh. Right, well, Peter Ronson, thank you very much for your time. Thanks it's been so lovely to meet you. Thank you a lot. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe.